Hey, this is Pastor Tom with North Glencoe Baptist Church, and you're watching Not Another Church Podcast. This is a weekly podcast featuring church staff and your host, Pastor Tom. So thanks for tuning in. Let's, why don't, why don't we, and, and, and we've talked about this, that I own purpose, uh, will one Sunday wear a suit and tie and a, a bow tie and be all dressed up, and the next Sunday, I'm not, I'll never wear shorts just because I, nobody wants to see a guy's legs. Um, <laughs> Same thing with open toe shoes. Brian, are you wearing? Yep, wearing. Hey, hey, hey! It's not Sunday morning. <laughs> not, hey, I made a choice. I, I wear my shoes on Sunday. But if we're focused on clothes and either side of the pendulum, if we can cause a riot because we're refusing to wear a mask, if we can be one of these people that I, I've seen some videos of people getting, you know, hogtied and put in the back of a car because they're their own purpose walking into a store and saying, "I'm wearing a mask." Um, if we do that, or we're the Karen that's running around in the store <laughs> saying, where's your mask? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Satan doesn't care which side of that argument we're on. As long as you're in, engaged in that argument instead of God's work. Exactly. Yeah. So. And can I say, I want to throw in here right quickly. I know this is, uh, uh, this may seem a little self-serving, but as a parent and as a children's minister, I think one of the things that we see in this heart attitude here, it has to start with children. You, ha- you know, the importance of having authority over a child and for them understanding authority when they're young, it, it, you know, it's, um, you can't make it up. You can't go back and make up time. But uh, for a child, why we discipline, why we, you know, stop them from doing things, why we spend time with an absolute no, not a maybe, not a persist uh, until I give in, which we've all done as parents, but that, that's, whole, that's all part of that, because if we can engage our children's hearts at a young age to understand authority and to understand submission to God, then when we hit the adult times and those who are of us who are naturally bent to being rule breakers or that we want to set the rules ourselves, it's not necessarily breaking the rules, we just want to make the rules up ourselves more than anything, it helps us to know that, okay, there are consequences to that. And there, you know, and one of those being that if I'm a believer and a follower of Christ, if I created a stumbling block and somebody walked away from God, what that does to me and how that changes their soul, my soul, and eternity, it becomes very important. It, so much so that Jesus said, if we offend one of these little ones, it's better for you yep. that you had a huge rock hung around your neck and you were cast into yep. the sea, that, which is a really ugly picture. Yeah. Um, so... I think that that where we have to park this is that our job as a believer is to go through every day dying to what we want. And if that means that, that I wear a mask, that means I wear a mask. If it means that, that uh, I've got to wear a suit, I wear a suit. If it means I've got to wear... I Abstain from certain behaviors or engage in certain ones. So the hard part of that is... is if we, that means that life becomes a lot more freedom of the spirit where I have to be thinking and engaging than I would if I just had a set of rules, which is why I think humans just like a, give me a new law. Okay, I don't want this freedom in Christ. I want you to tell me what I have to do so I don't have to think about it. Because where we live now, that means I've got to take decisions and pray through them get to know a person to find out what the stumbling blocks are. I've got to invest in people. And that takes time and that takes energy. It's inconvenient. 
And it once again proves the lesson that Jesus, when he dumped the money changers out of the temple and then wept over Jerusalem, was saying is the most important thing that we come in contact with every day is other people, not my wants, needs, and desires. Being selfless. Uh, You know, we, we probably need to engage the topic of fear. Because one of the things that we are facing right now through this, as we've talked about now not being a stumbling block in somebody's path, you know, we've talked about not hurting others, that we want to show and exhibit love and caring. And, and we've said, you know, go do this. You, you've been um, executive order or whatever it is at the governor, governor's level. Um, we've been given this command to do this, and everybody's got signs on their doors, and we're doing all this. But what we have not talked a lot about is fear. Uh, which is, it would be seen to be the other side of the argument, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. I think that what we need to talk about, though, is that, you know, my life is in God's hands. Um, I could die of COVID. Um, I could die sitting here recording this. If I had a stroke or aneurysm, I could pull out of this parking lot later this evening to drive home and be in a car accident. I mean, there's, you know, a million ways to die. And my life is in God's hands, and it's written in his timetables. Do I live cautiously and with care? Yes. But do I live in fear? Absolutely not. And there's a balance there. There really yeah. is. And we, we see that in the temptation of Jesus where Satan says, jump off the, of this pinnacle because God's going to protect you. And Jesus says not to tempt, uh, tempt the Lord your God. And so you see in Jesus' response that balance between um, being smart and, and not, you know, making out with snakes on the one hand to say, see, God's going to protect me. And on the other hand, um, not living a life that's, that is uh, dominated by self-preservation. That, that should be an, an, that should be completely foreign to a Christian's thought processes that I live everything so that I can extend me. And, um, Again, I go back to, you know, the Stoic idea of lost people actually even wrote quite frequently in the Stoics that um, the time of your death is set. So when you die, it's already been established by the gods. So don't live afraid to die. That's, it's silly to do that. And so we who are, according to Romans chapter 6, already died to ourselves. We've already been buried with Christ by baptism into death, so that just like Jesus was raised from the dead, we'll be glorified. We live in the light of, of the fact that, you know, First Thessalonians says that we know what our future is going to be. We know after our last breath what the next step is, and it's not. In fact, we know that the end of the story for us isn't in this life. If your best life is now, you, you're pretty pathetic. Don't peek here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so it seems to me that that living a life uh, in fear. Um, we make bad decisions in fear. We, we make poor decisions. We make quick decisions. In fact, um, I know this is going to sound funny. It's an illustration that um, I, I'm going to be using in some teaching later this weekend, but there was a book that I read um, as a child. It was called Sylvester and the Magic Pebble, and uh, Sylvester is a donkey who is out, and he loves to collect uh, pebbles, and he has a big collection, and he's out looking for new ones. He finds one, and it's magic. He's able to make it stop <coughs> raining, and then a little bit later, he comes and he meets a lion on his trip home. Well, he gets scared, and he um, uh, turns himself into a rock. He thinks that'll protect him from the lion. Well, the pebble rolls off of him when he's a rock. He has no access to the magic anymore. And um, 
you go through the whole story. He, as a child, why I remember it is because it scared me like a lot <laughs> because he stayed a rock for a year. Like his parents are looking for him. The book goes on about his mom and dad crying. They're looking for him. And this is I, a horrible book. It's, it's you know, it's almost <laughs> like the Lion King where the dad dies. I mean, you know, it's terrible. Okay, but as boy, a children's book, what you get, you know, and you walk away from that and you see that um, he had he he was omnipotent with the rock. And um, as I was looking through and going back through that story and and, and all the fears that I remember feeling as a child reading that. I could turn myself into a rock and stay that way, you know, forever if I found the magic pebble. But um, the point is, is it, it, in fear, he made a terrible decision. So Donna never played with rocks Don't in play the with rocks. No, ever, never. And um, I was a good child. And don't ask my mother. But um, All the other kids are out flinging rocks in the driveway, and Donna's rocking back and forth on the carport. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvester, Sylvester. No. <laughs> but, uh, and I'll be taking that illustration and using it in a little bit different direction, too. But one of the parts of the story is that he acted out of fear and made a very bad decision. Um, now, I'm going to be taking it and using it a little bit deeper as I go into the fact that if we had one of God's attributes without having all of them, you know, what would we do with it? We would make bad decisions. Or we would make selfish things that seemed beneficial in the moment but do not, do not last in, in the long term. Um, but we see that in the world around us. I mean, the fear that I'm seeing created and pushed into the lives of others. I've watched my mother who is home, and she's a widow, so she lives alone and... Um, She's lost so much of her life right now because the people that she usually gathered with, the people who were part of her social sphere, the ones who exhibited love to her and she to them. Um, I mean, of course, we're still there. You know, we're still coming. But she has friends. She has Bible studies. She has a Sunday school class. She has church. So many things. Um, fear is stripping that away. So I, I think that there has to be some places where we do take a stand. It, you know, it's not necessarily going to be a mask for me, but there are going to be places where I'm going to take a stand because I think that people, we need one another. God made us to be in relationship not only with him but with others. And fear has begun to stop that, and Satan is dancing um, on, that, on that particular part of it because we see, we've talked about you and I, Tom, and um, Brian, I mean, we may have even talked about it as a staff as a whole. These people that we see in nursing homes and places where we begun, have begun to believe that medical care or care for the elderly or care and love for others is best exhibited by putting them in a sterile room away from people who love them. And that just fires me up because it is so much more healing of someone, loving of others, is going to involve risk at times. And so taking cautionary steps with that, yes, obviously we should do, but at the same time allowing it to dominate us to the point where we do not show and exhibit love to those who are in need um, leaves me angry. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I think fear is worming into our culture in all kinds of weird ways. I mean, yeah. Talking to some of my friends who are veterans and Law enforcement in that community, I, I know some guys who you would never look at and go, that guy's living out of fear, but I know for a fact that he's stockpiling ammo because he's guaranteed convinced that Antifa's going to show up at his door any day now. And, and so, he's going to prepare. And he's pre preparing for that. And, I, and there, I know some elderly people who have bought a year's worth of food and have, have got the deep freezes stocked full. God, it's like Y2K again. It, in a lot of ways it is. And so... Again, there's a balance between, like with everything, there's a balance between being being wise. I'm not going to have, you know, three pieces of corn left in the house, period. But at the same time, um, 
fear is a, is a bad thing. And, and supposedly, according to the Bible, the love of God casts out all fear. Yeah. And when we get obsessed, it goes back to what we were discussing earlier, when we get obsessed with whatever those fear things are, when that's all we can hyper-focus on, you know, and then we don't do what we're called to do in other areas. I mean, have you seen that in your life? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just the paralyzing effect of fear. I mean, when you, something either traumatic happens, that's, I mean, I think it's the biggest weapon that Satan uses, you know, like mm-hmm. you said, I, I was trying to think of something, an analogy as y'all were, we're speaking, and uh, I kept thinking of, uh, you know, when you when you do get bad news about, I mean, we've known so many people that's gotten news about cancer or anything like that and how paralyzing that is, and I mean, that's something definitely to, I mean, there is a fear there and there's concern and all that, but I kept thinking of the stupid Tim McGraw song. <laughs> do y'all remember this Tim McGraw song I'm thinking about? Which one? I went skydiving, went Rocky Mountain yes, climbing, yes, yeah. 2.7 seconds. Mm-hmm. Sort of bucket list type song. Boy named yeah. Fu Manchu, I think. Yes, it's it's Fu Manchu. Yeah. But I kept thinking, you know, like, you know, and that's what he's talking about. And I think in the song there is, is um, you know, he just lived this long life, and then just one day it's almost just like, well, I know it's gonna, know it's gonna happen, it's coming, but uh, so why not just just live, you know? And I think I think as society, that's kind of where we're getting to, is just the point that everybody's just had enough of living in fear, I think, in some ways. In some ways, yeah. And so that's why everybody's really ready and to pain get back and out. sin still exist. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I think I can look at through our church body, and I know you can too, Tom and Brian, you know people, and we've seen them come along others when they're suffering. You know, um, when we're in pain, when we're in that place where you feel distant from God, we've heard stories about faithful believers who've lived their whole life and, you know, the moment when sort of they feel like the air is let out of them, their faith is all gone. It's wiped out. But then somebody comes alongside them and exhibits God's love even in the midst of the storm, whatever it may be, a bad diagnosis, death, tragic death of a loved one. I mean, I can name women in the church right now um, that come alongside one another and even though they may not have been especially close prior to this tragedy or prior to whatever this pain-filled moment is, but now we walk alongside them. Now we're part of their life. Now we're who they turn to and somebody who can exhibit demonstrate the active love of Christ in our lives. But if we live in fear, we would stop doing that. Sure. So fear cannot and should not dominate our lives. Yeah, I, and it, that's a hard battle because fear, I, I, there's so much that, that I want to say in like three minutes. Um <laughs> You know, C.S. Lewis talks about how uh, the only vice the enemy's never been able to make popular is cowardice. And it, it seems to me that the enemy's come up with a plan to do that. Because cowardice... We're and, afraid and to reach out. We're afraid to reach out, we're, and we can couch it in, I'm protecting people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're, we've become complacent in, in a lot of areas, and we're... we're We've started that complacency by saying, well, you know, I'm just going to make sure that, that I'm not exposing them to anything. And um, even in our visitation group, we've started meeting on Tuesdays again, not to go to people's homes, but to call. And today called someone who clearly uh, was desperate for human contact. Yes. Because when she yes. picked the phone up, the, I didn't get a word in for 20 minutes. 
it was like I got everything from, you know, her nail regiment to what it was this barrage of conversation. So we can we need each other. We need each other and we can be wise without letting fear dominate us. We can do and Lord knows we're we should be able to be super connected. We've got all of us are carrying around supercomputers in our pocket right. that allow instant communication all over the world. But it's not the end all and be all of connection. It I, I will say a caution word there because you can send a text to someone in a split second and you can converse back and forth, but it is not the same as when I can see my mama and wrap my arms around her and she knows my love through that physical contact. We're physical beings. We're not just um, a brain. We're not just a mind. We're not connected to, you know, I'm, you know, I mean, we're not the matrix. We need human contact. You're right. You know, and I'm, and I don't mean that to disparage what you're doing because I know that a lot of people appreciate the phone calls and are scared and don't want you to come in and bring anything into them. So I know that that for a time that may be what we do, but long term that is not, is not sufficient. No. no. And I'm glad that I'm not a hospital administrator because the the making those calls would be very difficult because I'm with you. It, it makes me angry when we have a member who's in the hospital who's physically and emotionally and spiritually aching for human contact. And that's healing. All right. With that, we end today's podcast. Thanks for watching Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. We want to invite you to join us Sundays for small group at 9 a.m., worship services starting at 10 a.m., and you can find North Glencoe Baptist Church live each week on Facebook and our northglencoe.org website. If you miss church, no worries. Our past services are easily accessible. They're archived on YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook. Make sure to stay up to date by following northglencoe.org. Go serve your king.